Welcome to the WIDA Connect podcast series, where we will explore all the hot topics affecting the equipment dealer industry. From industry news, government affairs, and manufacturer relations, to business best practices, technology, and marketing for equipment dealers. Brought to you by the Western Equipment Dealers Association, here to advocate, elevate, and educate. And now, let's connect. Hi, this is Mike Kramer, Western Equipment Dealers Association. In this podcast with Association CEO John Schmeiser, we'll finish Section 1 of questions dealers need to ask before acquiring a new manufacturer. In our first segment of this series, John explained the first five desirable provisions in a contract. They are the term of the contract and legal authority, trade area and market penetration, financial requirements, product stocking and performance standards, and terms of payment. John, if you're ready to go, let's start with number six, which is critical in this process, the parts return policy. John? Yes, absolutely. The contract or the manufacturer's policies that come with the contract as an addendum should fully explain the manufacturer's parts return policy, especially provisions like frequency of returns, restocking charges, and any limitations. Uh, Many manufacturers give equipment dealers the opportunity to reduce their inventory, their parts inventory, especially some slow-moving parts uh, that they have an inventory on an annual or biannual basis. Clearly understanding about what that policy is and what restocking charges come with that is critical for helping dealers manage their cash flow when they're looking at their at their parts inventory. We've seen restocking charges change. In fact, just last week, we saw a policy change being imposed on equipment dealers on the restocking charges and some more limitations on what they can return. So we have to emphasize, Mike, that you know at the time of signing the contract, that policy will probably change and the manufacturer has the right to change that going forward and a dealer can expect it to change based on current market conditions. But at the very least, at the time of signing the contract, this is a critical area for managing cash flow and managing a parts inventory. So it's important that a dealer clearly understand from day one what the current policy on parts return is. Number seven is something that's important too to dealers, not only to dealers in the foreground, it can be important to customers in the background, service tools, and personnel training. Yeah, the contract is a sales and service contract, and the service tools requirement is also very critical. And this is also something that will change over the course of time as the manufacturers will bring out new products. There will be new requirements on both training and service tools required to service that product. And this is an investment that the equipment dealer is going to make and an investment that he's going to have to look at. You know, what level of investment um, am I going to have to make in service tools and training when I take on this new contract? Because this is something that a dealer hopefully will recover the cost of over time. But there is an initial outlay that is going to be required. And as we see 
how sophisticated the equipment is getting, obviously the service tools are becoming more sophisticated as well. So this is a substantial cost. Now, granted, if a dealer ever terminates the contract, a lot of our states and provinces have provisions now that the service tools can be returned as part of the repurchase provisions. Nevertheless, it does require an upfront investment to have these necessary special tools on hand. And training is also something that needs to be clearly defined right at the start of the contract as well because of the investment that the dealer makes both in time and travel cost and lost billing time from uh, from their technicians because uh, they will have to go to service schools as part of the requirement of the contract. So clearly understanding that additional investment a dealer will make will be beneficial for them as they manage this contract line going forward. For lack of a better term, I'm going to call this one a hot topic. It's number eight, but it's critical too in all of this, manufacturer warranty policies. Mike, when I look back at the history of the North American Equipment Dealers Association, one of the first meetings that that organization had 119 years ago, warranty reimbursement was discussed. And still to this day, this is an important issue because dealers tell us repeatedly that they have shortfalls in the warranty reimbursement policies that are coming from the manufacturer. And many states, led by their dealers associations, have put legislation in place to address the warranty shortfall situation. We believe that the dealer should pay special attention to this when they're looking at a new contract. That warranty policy should specify what the manufacturer's equipment warranty policy reimbursement rates are going to be, what's specifically included, what the timelines are for submitting warranty claims, what is covered, all of the filing procedures, and what's the basis for dealer reimbursement. Are they going to be paid at a retail rate? Are they going to be paid at a cost rate? Is transportation going to be included in the warranty policy or diagnostic time? Is that going to be included in the policy? This is one of those areas where if a dealer is not on top of it and does not put in a good warranty reimbursement infrastructure in the dealership, it will become an area where they leave either money on the table or they're not realizing the full extent of the warranty reimbursement coverage that the manufacturer will provide. So we encourage dealers to ask specific questions on how they are going to be reimbursed in the warranty that they perform for that new product line. Okay, number nine can be tricky. If the language is not clearly understood or is unclear in any way, contract termination. Yeah, this is one provision that we hope it, it never, ever needs to be utilized. However, knowing what the separation terms are are very important as well. We want our dealers to understand their rights and their responsibilities, as well as understanding what the obligations are from the manufacturer in this contract. So both parties need to know where they stand should the contract be terminated. Um, and when we go into specifics, we want to know, is there a cure provision? Is there an appeal process? Is there an opportunity for mediation? How are the terms of the settlement, the partial settlement, going to be negotiated? Where does our respective provincial and state law come into play regarding repurchase provisions? When we were 
are returning our whole goods and parts. The manufacturers may have provisions in there that talk about repurchase, but a dealer should also be aware of what their rights are under state and provincial law because typically our state and provincial law provide the dealers more protections and more rights when it comes to repurchase at the at a contract termination than what the manufacturer will allow. And that will cause an area of dispute where the manufacturer will appropriately and correctly point out this is what our contract says in terms of repurchase. However, they, there also is a state or provincial law that may provide a dealer more rights. So it's important that a dealer understands their rights both coming into the agreement as well as during the departure of the relationship. All right. And now we reach number 10. Now, this may sound vague to a lot of folks, but this is really important. Other requirements. Yes. So there are many facets to this relationship and many important things that need to be considered outside of the first nine topics that we talked about, Mike. And we're seeing things like signage and signage changes and upgrades to the brand and the logo coming from the manufacturer. In a lot of cases, the dealers bear a lot of those costs. So the dealer should clearly understand what's in that contract when it comes to something as signage. In addition to that, computer systems, business systems, communication systems. Many manufacturers have requirements that as per this contract, you will have a business system from this provider or a number of these providers as a bare minimum of our, of our relationship. Parts and service manuals is another area where dealers make a significant investment. And like with special tools, in a number of jurisdictions, parts and service manuals can be returned to the manufacturer at the time of contract termination because there is some value there. But at the same time, when the dealer is starting their relationship with the manufacturer, it's another investment that is being made. And the dealer should be clearly understanding of what Costs he's going to have up front on purchasing the parts and service manuals, the signage, the computer system, all of that, because it is a significant investment. When a dealer takes on a new product and signs a contract with, with a new manufacturer, sometimes they look at the opportunity of what, what can we do with this product in our area? What type of demand is there in our area for this product? Can we make any money? off of the sale of this whole good. They should be looking at what type of money can we make in the service department? What type of profits can we realize in the parts department because of taking on this product line? That's always the focus, and perhaps it should be the focus when they consider taking on a new product line. But in addition to that, what a dealer needs to clearly understand is what costs he's going to have to make. And when you start looking at things like service tools, signage, computer systems, parts and service manuals, the investment that you have to make in training. You need to clearly understand what all of those costs are because maybe by doing an analysis on those costs, what a dealer will find out, it would not be in their best interest to take on another product line and they would be better served just to focus on the existing product lines that they have. They know what they know with their existing agreements. They have to make sure... They know what they don't know when they take on a new product line and a thorough investigation and analysis of both the benefits 
uh, the pros and the cons and the investments that they make needs to be done every time they consider a new contract with a manufacturer. Fantastic. You know, John, that is the, the list of the 10 desirable provisions in a contract that dealers need to consider before taking on another equipment brand. What else do they need to know? You know, one thing that we see from time to time is dealers are being asked to take equipment on consignment. And in situations like that, the dealer might view it as little or no risk by doing that. But we would encourage dealers to do some resources that they have at their availability through their association in a situation like that. We have worked with manufacturers associations in both Canada and the United States to develop a model dealer contract and a model dealer policy. When a dealer receives a request from a manufacturer to have equipment on their lot on consignment, we would encourage that dealer to reach out to the manufacturer and say, there is an industry standard dealer contract with terms and conditions and language that's been approved by both dealer associations and manufacturers associations. We would encourage dealers to tell that manufacturer to use that contract. In addition to that, to use that model warranty policy. So we remove some of the ambiguity that is out there. And then the last thing that I would add to that, whenever a dealer receives an updated or an amended contract from a manufacturer that they're currently doing business with, make sure they contact their, their local dealers association to ask that question. Has the association reviewed that contract? Has the association been given the opportunity to provide comment on the contract, you know, if the manufacturer has provided to it? In a lot of cases, we've had dealers will tell us that, you know, if the association reviews the contract and has had the opportunity to provide the contract, they will sign that contract. And we save our members a considerable amount of money through this process. For us, we tell our dealers, don't take that amended contract to your local legal counsel, who probably has little experience in such a contract. Contact your association, get us involved to review the contract and have the conversations with your manufacturer. Uh, it'll save a dealer a lot of money, and we'll be able to compare that manufacturer's contract to what other manufacturers are doing in terms of their terms and conditions, and we'll also be able to see some trends that we're seeing in contracts that I think would be helpful advice to the dealers as they make the decision whether or not to sign a new or an amended contract. Wonderful information, John, and we have more ahead. In our next series of podcasts, We'll take a look at the section two of questions to ask before acquiring a new manufacturer line. You won't want to miss those. John Schmeiser, CEO, Western Equipment Dealers Association. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I'm Mike Kramer. This has been We to Connect. If you have a question, would like to suggest future topics, or just tell us what you think about the show, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us at westerneda.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to We to Connect on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Until next time.